impacts of 2020 on policing. This episode of Blog on the Street is brought to you by JP Barb and Stella. Future of policing slash what policing in 2021 is going to look like next year? Because we're coming to the end of this year now, right? Yeah. And we've had things like Black Lives Matter. We've had COVID. We've had, you know, um, Sergeant Vatana. We've had quite a lot of significant things that have had yeah. an impact mm-hmm. on policing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just in 2020. Yeah. So how mm-hmm. has 2020 mm-hmm. changed policing for 2021? Okay. Gotcha. And what, what changes are going to be short term? Mm-hmm. And what changes do you think are going to be long term? And you've given me no research for that. All right, great. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll give that a crack. Let's let's talk about COVID a little bit. Mm-hmm. So those who've got responsibility, who've got young kids at home, or maybe have got elderly members of the family at home that they're responsible for, yeah. are now going out and policing the streets where COVID in what in the UK is quite rife at the moment, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and you you know, yeah, there's a high risk of you coming into contact with people with COVID. So has that level of responsibility at home now impacting the way people are policing or attending to situations yeah of course it is because it's like um and we've spoken about it before risk right um you know you kind of like base your stuff let's call it the ndm the the national decision making model um and the the intel bit is the information you've gathered the intelligence bit is the information you gathered and the information that everyone's gathering right now or the initial risk that that faces every single person is COVID or, or the risk of you contracting it, you passing it on. So straight away, you're thinking of going to any situation a, a, a bit with a bit more um, reluctance maybe because someone might, might spit on you, which does happen, but God knows what, what would be, you know, what's already in there. Someone might cough on you or breathe on you or just be close to you or touch you. And that, that comes with those increased risks. And the, the risks from before that we already had, hep B, hep C, God knows what else that we can contract. And now just someone talking to you in front of your face, which is a basic thing that we do in policing, you can catch something. So in your head, any situation you go into, um, you're at a higher risk. So yeah, of course it's going to affect the way that you do things and the responsibilities that you have. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again, Everyone wants to hang up, hang up. Sorry, their handcuffs or hang up their 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 stab proof vest at the end of the day, or hang up their pen. You know, if you're a detective, or hang up the laptop, and go home safely. Doesn't matter who you got back there, but you know, unless you've actually got a death wish, you want to go home safely. And COVID has increased that risk of thinking any situation you go into is a higher risk straight away. So you're going to deal with it differently. How has it impacted policing? Because you now need to run after someone with a mask on. You well, now need to be able to, like, you know, do crowd control possibly or call for somebody. Can you talk clearly into your radio with your mask on? If you're doing a roadside stop and you're trying to get a vehicle to pull over and you're talking to the driver with a mask on, like, how close do you need to get for them to hear you with the sound of the no, no, sound of the road in the background, things like this? I guess different situations would... would um would be different outcomes, right? Or different ways of approaching it. But yeah, you know, there's like guidelines in place. You have to wear your mask every time you come into contact with someone that you don't know, outside your bubble, etc. so on and so forth. Um, yeah, of course it's affected the way that people um, listen to us or talk to us or engage with us because your face expresses a lot. 
your eyes would only again you know right now we're obviously doing a podcast but let me just mask up my 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 microphone with just my hand over it you know it's completely different to that isn't it and if i'm just saying please stop please listen to what i'm trying to say it, it doesn't convey the same message the same impact and that's going to change the way that that conversation goes you might have to get closer you might have to shout louder you know you might have to like raise your eyebrows and twitch your nose a little bit or whatever else but the the mouth is is part of a face for a reason and it certainly allows us to communicate more effectively um but of course it's changed it's it's changed loads of st- things and i don't think i could just break it all down in this podcast how it's changed our interactions with people it changed our interactions with each other you know you're talking to someone and someone kind of switches off i kind of switch off i just think i'm not you know if they haven't got my attention which sometimes they don't i can't be bothered so you know members of the public or or suspect or whoever else you're talking to will feel the same i'm sure Okay, so aside from the change in terms of communication of having an obvious mask covering your face, yeah, what other ways has COVID impacted policing? Oh God, or what the ways, way or way people impacted? police, or how the way officers are policing now? Um, <laughs> give me give me the top okay. three. If you, top, you know, top three ways. there's going to be a multi, there's going to be a multitude of way things that have been impacted, right? Yeah, and you know, we'll we'll touch on later about the, okay. the sort of changes and moving forward. But give me the top three things that come to mind that has like drastically impacted, but you know, policing from COVID. Top three, okay. Um, are we talking about stats wise or just from my my opinion and what I've seen and heard? Your opinion. So the top three things is dealing with face-to-face conflicts. Um, there is, we still have to do it, right? doesn't matter. The, the, the crimes, violent crimes still, still are there. But there is a small reluctance or that small step just before you have to take the step, that thought process that isn't as quick. So the reaction times have changed. Um, the other things that it's done, it's changed the way we interview people. Um, and even before that, actually, I should really give you the process. It's changed the way that we arrest people. We don't arrest as much. So therefore, whatever um, risk that is eliminated through arresting, we're not doing that as much because people are coming down with COVID. We're not finding the necessary steps to arrest them at that particular point because they might infect other people. So it kind of affects, if you really take a step back, the criminal justice system. And when I mentioned interviews, you know, you'd have things like legal reps or solicitors not actually being present in the room and just being on a laptop. And that changes the dynamics of things. You're talking to screens. I mean, we're talking through a screen right now, Stelz, you know what I mean? And it's it, it, it's good communication. And, you know, you're in Singapore, to be fair. It'd be very difficult for us to speak face-to-face. Don't get me wrong, I'd like to come out of Singapore and talk to face-to-face, <laughs> but firstly, it wouldn't let me in. And secondly, yeah, time difference. Um and then I guess the other the other big factor is, uh, and this seems like a, a weird answer for me to give because it's not like current, it's the future of how we deal with things. Because COVID or not, it's not just going to disappear. Vaccine or not, it's not just going to disappear. Now that's kind of ingrained in us. Let's talk technology a little bit. So there's, there's a possibility of some processes becoming automated or... In terms of recording crimes, mm-hmm. how much time does that take? 
How long has it been string? Um, the thing oh, is... Oh, it's standard, it's standard police. <laughs> police How long has a piece of string, love? Do you know what I mean? You can't just drop these things on me. You have to tell me about this. But if we're talking about record, that's different to report and different to investigate, right? And I know <laughs> recording is the, like the first part of it, but, you know, we don't just record crimes, we investigate crimes, and that's crimes. How time-consuming can it be? I know you say how long is a piece of string. The breakdown. Right? Um, well, first of all, let's say you can't report because of COVID restrictions. You're still going to get the workload, and people are going to call in. Okay, so they can still call in, they can still write online their allegation of crime. And if they do that, then you're going to have more of that. So more people at home, more people have access to online resources, the internet, they will just be able to report. So reports of crimes have been made easier by online reporting standards. And therefore, more online reports mean more online um, allegations, more online allegations mean allegations in general, and they just come into you. They come into every single police force. The factors are because your hands are tied somewhat. Investigations still involve things like um, forensic considerations or, or let's say CCTV. And if you can't get into venues because they've been closed, then those investigations become harder and they become more drawn out. So whether or not you can go to a venue, you've had an allegation of, let's say, a fight in a pub or, or a fight in somewhere or a theft in somewhere, whatever that may be, and it's, it's contained inside. Sometimes you can go to that location, watch the CCTV there and then, or download the CCTV and be able to determine at that time frame, this has or hasn't happened. If you can't get into the venue, you can't download that CCTV, and you can't just write that crime off or close it down because you can't. And because someone will review your, your kind of... Um, investigation and say did you go to that that place no i didn't why didn't you do it covid is that a good enough excuse officer could you've done something else so you're getting not only you're not being able to to investigate this properly and sometimes you can close it because of that reason and other times you can't because it's more serious that increases your workload because that doesn't stop so at the very least those two factors have increased as well as so many others so when we talk about that, it's now easier to, to sort of report crimes online and the you know public have access to information and online reporting. Yeah. So pub, public members of the public can now report online. It's easier for them to report crime without having to have a police officer to, to attend. That's right. Now, these, these crimes are getting screened to officers, mm-hmm. right, to then yep. potentially investigate. Yeah. Is there, is there a sort of process where some things will be cut out before they get to the officer or is it down to the officer to determine if a crime has actually been committed? Yeah, so the the way that it tends to be managed is, yeah, it will go through a filter system and that filter system should still involve a person. So there's no AI, magical AI just yet that can say something has or hasn't happened because of keywords or certain incidents. So that doesn't exist. It still goes through someone. And they they tend to be obviously like an office-based person, whether a police officer or not, or a civilian member of staff, and they will sift that through. And then you mentioned screening in, when we talk about mm-hmm. screening in, and then it goes to, if you, if you like, a... a, a pool like a bucket of stuff an online or digital bucket a crime reporting system and then that gets disseminated out to different officers or different supervisors who then in turn send those out or or give those crimes those investigations to officers so at the very least they should be filtered through that initial phase should be let me say should be not always done okay because again lack of numbers 
yeah that's what i wanted to ask you so because obviously if you're attending a particular call with mm-hmm. someone reporting the crime face to face or physically yeah. to you yeah. you can obviously screen out a lot of the information and take what parts or relevant information you need at the time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. For, for making the report yeah so how much time if you could try and quantify it or if you could have a hazard a guess how much time do you think could be potentially wasted by having a, these online reporting systems because do you sometimes have information missing do you have things that are not very clear any further clarification yeah, yeah. all the time all the time i mean again you know some of these online things there's a there's a presumption that firstly someone can read right and we always forget that we, we genuinely forget you know, we're just assuming someone could read a drop-down menu and click these things in place and then in turn can write. You know, that's that's also a very difficult thing. We can't just assume everyone is literate, but we do that. So if they do miss these things out, it can be because of, of some kind of lacking in some area. Then the other factor is mistakes. Mistakes can be made. And drop-down menus or free text, bad spelling or omissions of certain things that leads to mistakes and that leads to us having to pick up the pieces later on um the other the other factors are sometimes it's limited in what you can type what you can say and when that gets passed on it it then also becomes limited i'm not saying that face-to-face interactions will always get all the info because the things that i've mentioned um people are still prone to those same things you know, like let's say investigators or police officers can miss out digits or, or letters and therefore we, we need to go back and do that. But the sheer volume of the stuff that, that is inputted, so, you know, this is kind of techie, geeky stuff. It's a data set. Online reporting is a data set. Not everything gets translated into quantitative data. It's qualitative because there's loads of writing stuff and it doesn't then get translated into a database. But it's 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 zeros and ones and... If that's not in a correct order, then that data set is incorrect. And to correct it, you need humans, as in police officers or police investigators, to go and retrace those steps. So it's again, it's very difficult to give you a time frame um, because, and I know I said it flippantly, but how long is a piece of string? How much mm-hmm. detail is missing? How much detail do you need to get? How much detail isn't there? It's... It's so fraught with with pitfalls, I think. So fundamentally, the online sort of reporting system is not particularly speeding things up for the police officers. It's not it's not doing the sort of job of like freeing up more time so that you can spend it on investigations. I don't know if it's just the online stuff. I'm I'm not going to say that it's because of the online stuff. I think it's down to no, but if we just but yeah. if we but if we just talk about the online, okay. so if we just talk about the online investigations okay. and those crimes that get screened into you or yeah. screened into officers, yeah, um, is it is is it speeding things up for you by having these screening crimes, or no, would it be quicker? Do you think to have just gone and spoken what? to the? No, well, it's not. I mean, to to answer your question, no, it's not speeding things up because what it's doing is giving you more work. It does help the public in order to get their information out there. In, in as speedy as process as possible. But it doesn't mm-hmm. help the investigators because we're just increasing everyone's workload. And that's everyone's workload, not just the police officers at the end. So by giving the public basically an online platform to send their information in, which yeah. saves them time, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't help them have their crime resolved because now officers are inundated with even more crimes 
because people got <laughs> this sort of platform, which has a whole circle, the circle of inefficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. On, right? There is, and that's why policing is such a difficult topic to, to manage within governments, you know, like, or in general, because you could talk about this stuff for, for ages and people wouldn't think it's as complicated as we're trying to make it right now. You know, I wish it was what they could see in a film. One crime, one hour episode, here we go, you know, Columbo solves it, job done. I mean, his episodes are pretty long, to be fair, not bad. Um, but, you know, any crime drama or any crime film, one thing at one time, that's just not, not the way it works. So let's stop there. So what do you feel are going to be the policing challenges for 2021? Oh, yeah, policing challenges for 2021. Well, I can give you a couple of answers to that, right? Um well, I can give you a few answers to that. Uh, COVID, one. Um, when I say policing challenges, well, it's still going to be around. So we're still going to have to police people with COVID um, restrictions in place. Um, other policing challenges. I think I think there's like a huge um, college of policing thing, I, if I can cast my mind back. Uh, I think they're talking about what our area is is um larger older diverse populations workforce automation i think that's one of them and you mentioned that didn't you before workforce automation mm -hmm. that's pretty good that's a nice one um and then uh, i think the other ones would be how we can use ai so it kind of goes a bit hand in hand with automating our workforce but how to harness the um, technological advances in, in um, artificial intelligence, uh, trust, building and creating trust. On a positive note, then yeah. what sort of improvements do you think there will be in policing next year? I'm going to I'm gonna go big here, Stelz. Robocop. Do you remember that film? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to think, what's this link? Where are you going with this, JP? No, it's not going to be robot police officers, you know. Someone's not going to be like fatally injured, and then we kind of merge them with with some kind of like cybernetic organism. I think the good things are the automation. So technology is being improved every single day, um, and the use of laptops and tablets. And I know it's crazy to say, crazy to think, but you know, I have a ta I have a laptop now in in policing, and that that not only saves my work, it saves me from trying to borrow a pen from someone and never giving it back. That's called theft, by the way. But yeah, um, and it, it allows me to connect to people. You know, you get you get Teams meetings that can be done online. You can get online resourcing quicker. You get forms that can be filled out automatically or quicker or, or that can be aggregated into other systems. So that kind of automation is a good step. But with any step forward, there's always, you have to be mindful of that step that you, you're, you're leaving behind. I don't know if that makes sense. You step forward in one sense with one foot. What's happening with the other foot? Are you stepping forward with it or is it just being lagged behind for some reason? I don't know if that analogy works, but I'm going with that. And the other aspect is um, of Robocop. I mean, it's, it's a very politically driven film. Um, there, are, there are services that are being farmed out or, or sold off or being allowed to be taken control of by other systems that exist outside of the police. Sometimes those create a strain on the police because we're not doing policing. 
um, and those other things that are being uh, sold or given across to, to other privatised companies can be a good thing. I never said it will necessarily be a good thing, but it can be a good thing. Um, let's talk about the impact of Tier 4 on policing. Tier 4 on policing. Well, it's brought mm. people to tiers, and I mean physical uh-huh. and actual tiers. Um, so the first thing I want to say is Tier 4 has to be done from the government's perspective, but from the people's perspective, including the police, it feels like a massive kick in the teeth. You know, um, police and other public sector workers, uh, the NHS staff, you know, fire brigades, ambulance services, they've all been put under a great amount of stress. And Christmas, or any kind of celebration, is supposed to relieve that stress. It's time where you spend with your loved ones, your family, just maybe by yourself, just to have some time away or reflect what's happened in the year. And now we're having to um, enforce an additional lockdown period and it is a lockdown it's not you know some things are available for delivery etc but the police are going to have to police more of the roads more households and that's also going to take them away from their loved ones so it's it's an increased amount of pressure and stress that's been caused now by us having entered tier four or or more people will, will enter tier four because you know as of today um just found out that this kind of whole new strain of of COVID has spread across the rest of the country, whereas before it was a southeast problem, even though it wasn't a problem, southeast in London, um, but now it's it's kind of spread throughout. So it's going to hit other police officers, it's going to hit other areas, and it's going to hit other kind of people that are wanting to celebrate Christmas. So what are you thinking the next three months are going to look like in policing? Um, similar to what it looked like the last three months, really, the previous three months. Uh, so you don't think much is going to change? You, th- you don't do. think the tier four has made things worse, or is it it's not made much of a difference? I think the public have been great in in this period of time because you know, sure, there's been breaches. There's always breaches. You know, as soon as you bring out any piece of legislation, someone's going to break that piece of legislation, break the law. It's just that's the, that's the game, isn't it? Cops and robbers. I've, I've mentioned before, they're not robbers, by the way, but they're just breaking the law. It's just a term of endearment. Um, but over the next three months, I think it's it's going to be more winter, so more more depression. So, you know, we've spoken about it on a very quick basis, and I am nowhere near an expert on it, and I wouldn't pretend to be, but the mental ill health aspect is going to increase. Uh, so the mental well-being of people will decrease. That always has a strain on public sector, um, especially the police, because we tend to deal with them first, whether it's crime or not. So that will definitely increase. Um, we're not trained to deal with that. Obviously, we're not, you know, mental health practitioners or authorised mental health practitioners, but we still deal with that. So I can see that being an in- increase. Crime is crime. That is constantly increasing in different areas. Um, it may decrease certain levels of crime, maybe like um, petty uh, petty crimes, and I'm talking about like low-level street drug dealing and um, street robberies, things like that, because there's less movement of people. But there'd be an increase in in other types of crime, cybercrime especially, especially over this period of time anyway. Um, hopefully, uh, and I mean this, I really do mean this, hopefully burglaries will go down, more people are at home. Obviously, we talked about the mental health aspect on yeah. the public, mm-hmm. but 
police officers, you know, and the public health sector, we are we are all obviously people and public too. Yeah. So there's going to be negative impacts on our mental health or their mental health once of course, yeah. they're being away from home with the extra strain. So, you know, what sort of impact do you think that, that can possibly make on policing? What, do you have a prediction of what you think it would happen? <sighs> well, you know, in, in, in the UK, we, we police by consent, right? And one of the worst things that I think sometimes we do is say it, but then at the same time can't enforce that because, you know, policing by consent is great when the general population agrees with what we're doing. But right now, the general population isn't agreeing with what we're doing because it's not our doing. You know, we're following orders like we usually do, but we're following legislation that's been put onto us fairly rapidly from the government. And, you know, things like the tier four automatically, of course, you know, the um, senior leadership teams in various police forces have been spoken to and briefed, but they have to come up with a plan. And the plan of not restricting travel completely because we're not in that kind of democracy. We are, we are still a democratic society and we still do allow for free movement under certain circumstances. But now we're having to do things like roadblocks potentially. And there's nowhere people can consent to that. You know, it's not it's not like um like a zombie apocalypse film where people are having to run out of their towns, right? Because zombies are chasing them. Um, it's it's similar. People want to just leave because they want to leave to go to celebrate Christmas, but we're then holding that line. We're there at the end, saying, "By the way, you're not going to get past your junction. You're not going to get past your outside the M25. You're not going to go up to the M6 bit." You're not going to go past this toll road. You know, we're having to hold that line. So the whole element of consent by policing is, is definitely going to get taken away. Or that sentiment towards, okay, police officers are only doing their job and they're doing it to protect us or they're doing it to enforce the law or protect our property. That isn't the case. You know, we're stopping them from traveling potentially to see their loved ones. So I, I can definitely see a, a longer term impact on those sentiments being more negative than they they are usually because again overall the general population are positive towards the police they do follow the rules and they have done but especially times like this celebrations and and you know times of relaxation or your mental well-being being kind of increased through drinking or eating or watching you know christmas films or with your family or with your loved ones isn't happening and um, last note, is there any positives we can leave 2020 on, moving into 21? I'm usually um, a fairly upbeat kind of character. I think you can tell by my, my tone of voice. Um, is there any positives? from? from oh, are there, yeah. are, are, there? are there any positives do you think we can take? Any lessons learned from 2020 and COVID in relation to policing that we can take forward into 2021 to make improvements? Let me scratch my head for a little bit and bide some time because you've asked me that question. I'm genuinely scraping the back of my brain to see if there's any positives. There's, only, there's, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always a silver lining. There's always, you know, a nicer cloud. There's always the, the sunrise tomorrow. All of those are positives, right? Um, but when it comes down to policing, I guess there's things that have been done more effectively. Um, things like processing, this is from a high-level perspective, by the way, processing new bits of legislation so it can be done fairly quickly. 
if you get everyone on board and you make the relevant amendments and you get everyone lined up from Parliament, the you know, House of Lords, every piece of legislation is written up to a certain extent and then, you know, allow for amendments or regular voting. That to me shows that we can pass new pieces of legislation fairly quickly that need to be amended. So, you know, we have to abide by these pieces of legislation. We abide by legislation and policy, local policy, national policy, but also legislation. And it seems as though all those processes have been changed for a particular reason. So we should now be able to look at all the pieces that don't quite fit, um, because again, legislation has been and is old, um, don't necessarily apply to everything that's kind of ongoing now. So that's definitely a positive, if that happens, if we can get our heads together like we have done. Um, and on that note, cooperation between forces, um, constant communication. You, you know how much I stress about communication and, and the way that we should communicate. You know, more effective the communication, the better the outcome. I genuinely believe that. I've, I've genuinely had that in my life. So that's that's something I'm a massive advocate for. And I think we have been doing that well, a lot better than we've done before. Because again, we've been forced to talk to each other. We've been forced to talk to other forces. We've been forced to have these regular pieces of, of briefings back and forth to us. And that needs to increase. That needs to carry on. And if it does, that will not only think about things like COVID, but certainly if we keep on continuously sharing criminal intelligence about crimes, um, yeah. Uh, the other thing is we're all in it together. You know, I think that's an important part, not just policing in general, but, uh, you know, just a society that we've all signed the social contract to. We, we, we are just normal people. We do face the same things. We do have the same fears of, of injury or, you know, heaven forbid, death. Um, so that's created, hopefully, a, a bigger sense of community. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to wish you all a very happy and safe new year from the team at Rootaware. You can follow us on social media and let us know your thoughts on the topics that we covered today.